Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And it's me, your other host, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch. Whoa! This Whoa. Is, oh, son of a. I, I'm going to have to edit that because that yeah. was way too loud. You My screamed. Bad. I did. <laughs> it was good. All right. We so are excited I. because this is the first episode we are recording with us back on the main feed. Wow. Is that, it's. It may be the first one you're hearing because, fun fact, um, bringing a bunch of episodes back into a different feed is way more complicated than you'd think it, it is. It's so complicated. It's like fighting with ancient code. Yeah, it's like, can you do it? Yes. That's not hard. Doing it correctly in mm-hmm. the way that you would like them to be presented mm-hmm. in the order that you would like them mm-hmm. to be in, very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So... Hopefully you, this may be the first, it may be the 50th. It's hard to tell, but either way, we're back here in the main feed, which means this is, again, your one-stop shop for probably hearing my voice more than you want to. But that is why I try and get really good guests and stay quiet most of the time. Now, that's that's my insider baseball. Whoa, I bring in in smarter. I have also, so we're waxing poetically on our return. I have also realized that because of that, I don't make a great guest. Mm, yes, because you're too used to interviewing people. I yeah. am. Yeah. I've, I've realized several times that I'm not good at being a guest. It takes a second because I'm, I, I do by default act more interested in what they're saying, but realize that's not why I'm there. For for a charity streamer organized once, we had a panel that was all about how to interview people. So we had a bunch of interviewers on our and oh. it absolutely degraded into yes. like a group interview. It was it was ridiculous. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so we have it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Things have changed, mm-hmm. but some things stay the same. Yes. And that means that we're going to look at an article with a as clickbaity as a name as I probably mm-hmm. have found in a long time. I was scared when I hovered over the link. I was scared. <laughs> oh, because even the URL is scary. Yes. <laughs> okay, so tell me, what is the title of the article we are going through today? Yeah, so for this uh, very fun article, we are reading uh, Dungeons and Dragons rules only sadistic dungeon masters use. Uh, so yeah, again, in the URL, just to say it's uh, dragons rules hardest, harsh, difficult, hardcore is the URL. So my God, <laughs> let's buckle up. <laughs> oh, this is so good. And the one of the things that we first approached was, okay, so what what's going on here? Where are these coming from? Mm-hmm. Are these house rules? And the best thing about it is they're not. Uh, most of them are just optional rules from previously printed Watsy material, including just straight out of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah, I yeah, I was like, I've never heard of this. I'm like, oh, right. It's just right there, an optional rule in the yeah, DMG. Just King. from jump. And the idea that someone could, someone could have been playing in games with these rules for like the past five years. <laughs> terrifies terrifying yeah so speaking of terrifying what is the first rule that we have yeah okay oh i should also mention this was written by derek garcia so uh thank you derek for this gift um all right so (laughs) the first rule on the list uh sadistic D &D rules 
sanity score, yes, which is a cool one. I remember reading about this because it's like an optional rule. So if you do want to delve into Mythos style, you know, Call of Cthulhu-esque games, there's an optional rule to have a sanity score uh, in the game, which obviously as you encounter horrors uh, uh, drops very, very quickly. Um, so, the, but this yeah. one is interesting because I don't, so I don't always say this, but one of the things I don't like is the way that this is presented mm-hmm. because it's a better way to probably title it would be a sanity attribute. Yeah. Because it becomes your seventh attribute along mm-hmm. with your other traditional six, um, where either you're adding three more points to a point by system or just adding an 11 to the standard array. So, like, you could have a really strong sanity score or not. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just, I will, I would wonder how someone's like, would implement this as a long-term play. Because then there's the one person who doesn't have a problem. And then the one person who does have a problem when those attributes come up. You know, it's the same th- thing as, like, if you had cliffs that everyone has to climb every session there are some players that feel like that's great i love it and the other player who just keeps falling like i'm a wizard why uh yeah so that's i mean that's a good point saying you know already because you're already stacked right like for for attribute points it's already so hard to get everything you need for all the different you know whatever your class is so adding a seventh one in there and not getting too many more points to like add Yeah, that would be scary. And I like, so some of the suggested sanity saving throws in the text of this role, just seeing a creature from the far realm or other alien realms for the first time. So that's, I guess, every time you see an aberration, you're making a sanity. Like that's, that's buck wild. I feel like in certain campaigns that would get very dicey very quickly. Yeah, especially, It'd be interesting because then you really do have to find ways to implement the idea of like, am I losing it? Yeah. Um, or are you giving me advantage or disadvantage because I've experienced it before or not experienced it before? Do you have bigger penalties if I have a higher score and yeah. I do fail? Yeah. Are the penalties less because I have a lower score and I fail? Um, oh, man. Because I just can't – because ability damage isn't really a big thing. No, in not condition. in 5e. Yeah. I mean, it feels very punitive if you were to implement it, um, which that's not on the list because no one's written it down anymore. Right. But, <laughs> but the idea of taking that away from a player? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's scary. I, I feel like there's so many challenges already in traditional 5e that adding this on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is a sadistic uh, rule. Yes. So, well done, Derek. You're correct. (laughs) Speaking of well done, Derek, one of the other things is that as inflammatory as a lot of this language is regarding (laughs) just about everything we're going to talk about, Derek does do a good job of also setting up like, hey, you should really check with the people at your table. Hey, make sure people want this before you do this, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Please, please check in. Also, I love... Uh, they may want to experience a style of campaign that evokes the works of George R.R. R. Martin or H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft instead of J.R.R. R. Tolkien or R.A. Salvatore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's an interesting pairing. That is an Moving interesting. Uh, huh. OK. Yeah. So uh, another interesting one. Oh, is yeah. The, this one. Oh, this one. The oh, addition man. of massive damage. 
So you knew more about this. I feel like you dug dug into it. So break break this down because this is this sounds horrible. So one of the things about fifth edition, and I, and I feel like you'll echo the same, and a lot of people have, is that lower levels in fifth edition are tough. Very they deadly. are yes. deadly. Um, if you my my number one thought is. It's the bugbear that has the massive damage, especially if they surprise you. And basically, like, even your most robust of barbarians is dead. Oh, yeah, it's called, like, brutal surprise or something along those lines. Yeah, one hit. And it's often why you see a single session getting players to the second level. And two sessions, you're at third level. Because now you have more of your character traits and you have more health, really. Massive damage is if a player... And now, in theory, this would work both directions, but the likelihood that it does is very low. But basically, if a creature takes more than half their hit points, they roll on what's called a system shock table. And again, this is just in the Dungeon Master's Guide as an optional rule. When you roll on that table, you roll a d10. The best case scenario is that you cannot take reactions until the end of your next turn. The worst case is that you now have none of your hit points and you are not stable and you are rolling death saves. God. I mean, I, I like the I like the fiction of it because it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're cut in half, uh, you know, yeah. like of course, like do you survive that or do you auto die, you know? Um like, but dang, that's yeah. Yeah, that is and scary. like at lower levels, the likelihood it would happen and kill a player are so, so high. Frequent. Yeah. But at the same time, the likelihood that you could cause it to an enemy is much higher. Right. But the second you hit like a substantial CR, the likelihood that I could even, you know, line up a combination of player skills and um, abilities and everything like that to do massive damage. Let's say it's even an adult dragon. The likelihood that I would hit half of their hit points. No, because they average, you know, like two hundred hit points. Or so, so um, then, so then, the only people that it can happen to at that point are the players. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And that's and that's gnarly because you know, like usually a monster will be like, whoa, like big critical move. You know, your mm-hmm. rechargeability or your ones per day right at the top of the fight. So somebody's gonna go down automatically, basically first round, right? <sighs> What if we if we continue the the dragon? I mean, it's yeah. dungeons and dragons. Dragons, yes. If you think of that rechargeability, what let's say you know I'm picking random. Well, let's say it's a red. That's your yeah. most common, and it's the fire breath. Yeah, that means several. That's a lot. Yeah, roll on that table. Yeah. Woo! No, <laughs> I hope it's you. not your cleric. That's, no, that's all oh. I'm saying. Oh no. God! Yeah, that's a nasty. That's a nasty one. Okay. Speaking of nasty, uh, well, how about this next one? Oh, yes. Sadistic D&D rules. Lingering wounds. Um, I think what I really like about this is that the article has such a cool piece of art that's very grisly mm-hmm. and really driving this home. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, lingering wounds rules much more harmful to a player than to monsters. Okay. First sentence. So right there we know. All right. Uh, so this rule suggests that Dungeon Master roll for a wound when a character suffers a critical hit, when it drops to zero HP but isn't killed outright, or when it fails death, saving throw by five or more. Uh, so then the wound could be like a cosmetic effect, you like a, a scar, you lose your eye, that sort of stuff. So it just really kicks it up to a whole other level uh, when you get hurt here. 
Wow. Okay, so if you're looking for it in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it's actually referred to as Lingering Injuries, uh, and you roll a yeah. d20. Uh, do you have a d20 available? Let's see what happens. Uh, Yeah, I do. Sorry, I had to get my tray. I had to get my tray. Okay, here we go. Also, just how terrifying do death save? How much more terrifying do death saves have become? To get, yeah, if you fail by... <laughs> because, yeah. God, Um. okay, I got a six. What happens to me? Oh, well, unfortunately, you now have an internal injury. Whenever you attempt an action in combat, you must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, you lose your action and can't use reactions until the start of your next turn. The injury heals if you receive magical healing or if you spend 10 days doing nothing but resting. That... I that, held I held my reading be, voice for most of that. That could be so bad. Every freaking time you take an action until you've received uh, healing magic or rested for ten, 10 days. days, which would be fine if you're like you know uh, oh start adventure stuff. What if you're like in a dungeon, like deep in a dungeon? There's like that's bad, um, and you just can't get out. Whoo! Again, hope you have a cleric because. Dang. <laughs> wow, that's rough. Well, I mean, okay, I'm going to roll another one. I want to okay. see what else. Okay, I got 14 this time. What is my lingering injury? Okay, so not I, I assume not as bad. But yeah, now hopefully. instead, you, you've hit 14 to 16, yeah, yeah. which is a festering wound. A festering wound. <laughs> oh, oh, no. No, it's bad. Okay. Um, your hit point maximum is reduced by one every 24 hours the wound persists. If your Whoa. hit point maximum drops to zero, you die. The wound heals if you receive magical healing. Alternatively, someone can tend to the wound and make a DC 15 wisdom medicine check once every 24 hours. After 10 successes, the wound heals. And there's no way to recover those hit points, right? The maximum hit point reduction. Dang. That's worse, I think. I don't know. No, they're all bad. <laughs> they're bad. all bad. Good job, Derek. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine a, a group playing. Mm. Okay, next time my players get all cocky and say that D&D is too easy, I'm going to whip one of these out mm-hmm. for sure. Woo. All right. Okay. So this one I feel like gets implemented. This is the first one that I know that I've personally implemented yeah. at times and definitely seen implement, implemented at tables. Um, but this is critical fumbles. It's it's hard not to. And I think Derek put it in a way that I was surprised, like really hit home. Yeah. It complicates things because now we're rolling more for roles that have already happened so your roles turn into more roles and not in a real fun way like it's not exploding dice right it's just bad things are happening more bad things (laughs) yeah yeah but what's interesting is even if it goes both ways to have that you know that parody between the two it doesn't matter because then he brought up the point of like okay so you you roll for again let's say it's this dragon and what do you how far do you want to take it and how does that not cheapen things mm-hmm. for your players cuz it's like it doesn't matter that i'm good i have a good character or i'm a good player yeah the dragon had bad luck and then died that's not fun right so usually it's not going to be the dm uh that's 
uh-huh. yeah, rolling these. Uh, so this is this is for sure on going to be a mostly on the players again. Yeah, I think the only time that it's fun is like the occasional time it happens when you're at lower levels. It's a mob of goblins, yeah. let's say, or something like that. One errantly shoots the other, and it makes sense. But I realize that the only reason it makes sense is because narratively, yes, it makes yeah. sense. Whereas again, that because dra- the other thing about the red dragon idea is it's going to roll once and your party's going to roll how yeah, many times? A, a billion, right. So if you're doing a solo monster, it just doesn't. You just can't do it. Yeah. Have you ever played with crit fumbles? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have definitely had players break weapons or, you know, really, you know, fall prone or just totally eat it or like stab their friends. Uh, Yeah. So I, I absolutely play with this rule. Yes. Yeah. I think I think it's the I think it's the second layer because I don't know that I have a problem with a critical fail yeah i think a critical fumble like maybe that's where you know verbally we can have that distinction i don't think i have a problem with the crit fail like you roll a one you you fail because in the same way when you roll a 20 you get a crit i'm okay with both sides of those it's when that you have to do additional rolling because you rolled a one that's yeah. probably where it's getting off because i've i i know i've listened to some of the like older school style games and it's like oh okay so then you're gonna roll oh you rolled super low on this d100 table you died yeah yeah and i'm just like that's, that's i don't rough. know that i like that that's how i feel whenever i, I play like dcc rpg and I'm like, if something goes wrong, it just escalates so quickly. But that's yeah. also kind of part of the charm of that system in particular. But I don't think that is like built into D&D 5e. So, yeah, I feel like this could get very too harsh uh, pretty quickly if you just go rules with written and you don't have any, you know, arbitrating force. All right, I'm ready. I'm excited for this one. Oh, God, <laughs> this is uh-huh. horrible. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Sadistic D&D rules, randomly generated stats. Okay, I I think it's been since, I don't know, high school. Like, I had a DM that made me do this. And yeah, it's awful. <laughs> so this is, I mean, and not to knock it, but the, I understand the potential base level idea is that, oh, <gasps> Okay, I've never thought of it this way, and it's totally in, you know, with us being the two people that came up Mm -hmm. with the quantum ogre idea, quantum is what we're going to focus on here. It's a quantum leap principle that you just like randomly inhabited a person in this world. And like you have no bearings on anything that that is this person. And so... In previous editions, one of the ways that a person would generate their stats is to roll 3d6 in order. Yep. I would that just grab 3d6. Yep. I would roll. That was my strength. And so because of that, and I'm not going to get the percentages right. They're napkin math and it's ballparking. But I know that it was Bard's because of this and this the stat requirements that they had to be the class mm-hmm. basically less there like around one percent of characters were bards yeah 
because you had to have X in this stat. You had stat. to be good at this stat and that uh-huh. stat and that stat. And yeah. it was like impossible. Oh, yeah. and just like one person gets lucky and yeah. the rest fail miserably. Yeah. So you just have do you have do you have one person that's so far ahead or do you even have one person who's so far behind? Right. And then it sucks too if you're like, I really want to play a wizard. You think that in your heart and then you roll like terrible intelligence and terrible like wisdom and stuff. You're like, well, all right, I guess not. <laughs> Or, you know, that's so, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of of this. Yeah. As somebody who rolls very poorly and is extremely unlucky, I know this has never worked out for me. And I do have friends in my life who this would work out for great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and stat rolling is is interesting because I I would say that it only really works with more experienced groups yeah. because I think it just that evens things out a little bit. Um, but if you if it's everyone joining for their first time, I would say just do stat arrays or point buys or stuff like that. And it, it feels nice too to have a party that like, oh, I'm good at this. Like this is the thing I'm good at in the party. And then somebody else has a different thing that they are definitely good at. And if everybody has a thing they can be proud of, then everybody feels happy. But if somebody just whiffs across the board or, you know, one person just outshines everybody else, that causes animosity, I feel like. And eventually that will just devolve. Yeah. And there's there's so many ways that you could do stat rolling that is far less punitive yeah. than this. Yeah. One is one is certainly letting the person roll six stats and letting them choose where they go. From there is letting people roll four dice and drop the lowest. One of the ones I do is I like letting people roll a D6 plus one, mm-hmm. which basically changes the range from two to two to seven instead of one to six, which means your minimum is six. Um, and then you can go you can go from there. Um, I've done a dice pool. I like doing uh, like power rolling uh, is what I call it. You roll nice. four D6 and then you re-roll any ones uh, okay, that you yeah. get and then you select the three highest. So. Yeah, I've done a pool, which is fun, just to Pools see what cool. people will yeah. do. Well, so basically, every stat has 46, but you can move them, leaving Ooh. a minimum of three yeah. at one. So you could just super stack the di- the one you want to be really big yeah. um, and then go from there. But yeah, this is it's a, it's rough. It's rough. It's, You're right. This is rough. <laughs> You're right, Derek. <laughs> That's sadistic to make your players do that. Almost as rough oh, no. as none other than encumbrance. Yes. Um, I like this this quote. Encumbrance is, comma, another way some DMs exercise cruelty. Wow. Um, it is true. It is true. Essentially, a, a character can carry up to 15 times their strength score in pounds, which is high enough that most characters don't even need to worry about it. But uh, I hope you yeah. don't want gold. That's yeah. really where it boils down to. Yeah, it's I mean, this is this is encumbrance is really great for particular types of games. Like if you have, you know, a gritty group that's all about like hex crawling through wilderness and you really do want like some of these, especially like old school style, like dungeon crawls or something. It's a it becomes an interesting thing to have resource management and manage what you have and have to craft things or save things or hoard things. Right. But it really, that type of gaming hasn't really been introduced in 5e. 
there really aren't mechanics to support it or I feel like adventure is written to support it. So forcing people to put that in their games feels like kind of cramming a different game right inside of 5e. And I also like that one of the basic, the basically the suggested solutions are, and, and they're almost absolutely required are pack animals and hirelings. Yeah. Like people to carry your stuff. Yeah. yeah. People are creatures that will carry your stuff because, you know, the example was like, okay, so you, you're a fighter, you're super strong, but you also put plate mail on. Yep. You also carry a two-handed sword. Yep. You also. That adds you also, up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now you're, you're running out of. The ability to carry anything. I am a hundred percent guilty of pretty much every campaign I've ever run. Within around level four, I always give the party a bag of holding because I, as a DM, do not want to deal with having to ask how much stuff are you carrying or listen to conversations about who's carrying what or whatever. I get bored, so I just give them a bag of holding every yep. time. Uh, but yeah, because I, I even as a GM, it would feel cruel for me to have to track. <laughs> of this stuff so as a player yes extra cruel oh and then you get disadvantaged the second you go over yep. it, which means any spellcaster is staring down the barrel of every concentration check yep. being a disadvantage yeah and you start losing mobility and wizards like cannot feet. carry a lot i i have been hit with encumbrance rule as a wizard too many times um it, it you weak like you know even if, if your strength is probably eight Right. As a wizard yeah. times 15. That is not a lot because even like an adventurer's pack on its own, which most people have weighs like 30 pounds, 30 to 50 pounds. So that's half your stuff anyway. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's rough out there. Your spell book weighs like five pounds. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only time encumbrance in it and it was in a video game that I thought was funny to me. It wasn't fun. It was just funny. Is um, I was playing Oblivion, oh, and I got and I got shot <laughs> by an arrow, and it like stays in you sometimes, oh, and it encumbered me. No, and I couldn't move. So I pulled it out and I shot it back, and then I was able to move again. And that, yeah, that's, that's just very funny to me. But I don't think that'd be funny in a D and D game. Yeah, I think this is just fresh in my mind. I've been replaying Valheim. <laughs> which is oh, okay. a brutal Viking game. Um, and encumbrance is my bane constantly. You're like, dang, I can't carry this or what the heck? Uh, Literally so many games where, okay, so there's a there's a small game and it's like an 8-bit and I, I've been playing it. It's called Dome Keeper. So it's like a roguelike where you have your dome, you fight things off, you go down. Same deal though. I can only carry so much stuff and then I'm slowed down. I'm, uh, I'm angry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, trudging slowly to your base yeah. before, you know, your exhaustion runs out like, God, I just need this wood, please. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes. So that, oh, that agreed. dear listeners, is the list of things that you want if you want to make your game uh, words like sadistic. Harsh. Hardest. Hardest. Hard, <laughs> difficult. difficult. Hardcore. <laughs> Amazing. This was a great article. Uh, Derek, you killed it. Good job. I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly Perfect. with all of these. And if you liked this, you can always go to your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a rating and review. It helps us um, tremendously. That's how this works. And also, yeah, just let people know like, yay, I'm happy. You know, Diamnastics is back as part of the main feed. So people know that it's back, right? So your reviews uh, and, you know, stars on Spotify and stuff really help us out. 
Um, and of course, if you want to reach out and tell us about like horrible sadistic rules in your home games that maybe you've invented or your DM has inflicted on you, you can always email us at dmnastics at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at dmnastics, Neil at Jotmoniac, and me at C. Conowich. And for everything else on the network, you can visit blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. And a huge thank you to the Bards over at Bombarded for our intro and outro music. And you can find more about them at bombardedcast.com. And they're, they actually, I actually had them do a new intro for the main feed as well. Um, so all the music is just from the same people. Oh, so, that's delightful. Yeah, I messaged and they were like, absolutely. So mm. there you go. But with that, let's head to the post cool down. No, post workout cool down and stretch with the light bulb. Light bulb. So today on the light bulb, we're going to t- be talking about epic, epic encounters Ooh. from Steamforge Games, um, where basically uh, it's an encounter in a box. Like that is the idea. Everything you need to create an epic encounter. For your role-playing game. Wow. So basically it's a one-stop shop. You buy this box, which I'm trying to open. It's nice. It's a tight box. We can hear yeah. it. Yeah. It's good. Good packaging. Everything, yes. Everything I need. So basically here, there's a booklet to help me run the encounter Perfect. itself. There's a fold-out map to just <gasps> drop drop down. Oh, uh, I mean, not the world's greatest quality map, but in, in but the sense that no. you're dealing with paper, not right. all these elaborate things. But it's and already designed to your specs you need, yes. so you don't have to draw, you know, sad little butt trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yep. then the real kicker is every miniature I need. Whoa! Oh, snap, that's cool. Okay, I've yeah. always walked by this booth at conventions and been like, I like what... I like all the packaging. I like what this is, but I don't understand what it is or I have to get back to working the booth. So I'm really glad you showed me what is in these. Yeah. So basically I've got three or I've got four goblins riding spiders. Cool. I've got two sets of goblins that are on top of each other. One, then they're like trench coat style. No, the top goblin is shooting a slingshot. Oh man. Um, I have several with whips. I have several others. Um, some terrifying worm creature and what looks like to be the goblin boss. Oh, cool. Um, oh, yeah, because this is the goblin czar, because this is called the Labyrinth of the Goblin Czar. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, it's just everything in, yeah. in a single go. So my thought is, I mean, there's a lot of practical uses for this. Number one is at a convention. Because everything I need is now in this box. So when yep. I show up. Easy to put I in a suitcase and go. Easy to put in a suitcase. As long as I got a set of dice, right. we can all start playing. Cool. Uh, literally everything a person would need is right here. Oh, man. Um, That's great. Then, like if you have, you know, like a standard one shot game, you know, that you run, like linking up with one of these would be clutch. Well, the other thing is like if I go through all the time and effort to paint it. I can yeah. still put them all back in this box and they're as protected as they were prior to painting. Again, this box goes with me where wherever I want. The box itself is pretty pretty sturdy, so I, I think it is designed with the idea of travel in mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Steamforge game, epic encounters. Well, it's cool. And so each of these encounters, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of minis in there. It looks like they're around $50 average uh, for each encounter. So it seems like you get a great value with it. So that's that's super cool. What a great pick. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that 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 initial price does seem like a sticker shock, but definitely it really look at what miniatures it has because that's where 
Yeah, considering how many minis you just showed me in that box, um, that is a great deal. And I am definitely feeling like I want to reach out to them and tell them about how great they are and tell them they should send me their stuff. Yeah, yes, please. Be like, we would love to talk about how cool these are. Thank you. Yeah, these are yeah there's a ton of there's a ton of them out there and i really think that there's at least one that you could find that again um it's a it's tough because like you always want to find that one mini that's just the perfect mini but oftentimes when you look at something like this where they're mass produced in a way that you know nothing else can mimic then you get like arena of the undead horde hall of the orc king chambers of the serpent folk some of these have got to be in your wheelhouse. I'm sure yeah, of it. These are got to be like already yeah, fried in Tomb of Annihilation or whatever you need. Boom. Yeah, man. So there you go. So check those out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And of course, with that, we'll turn out the lights and head out of the gym. But before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, and anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some gymnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift?